Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. One of the greatest to ever do it, Bill Russell, has passed away. With the DK Metcalf contract done, are the Seahawks coming together with Drew Locke? And the Seattle Mariners undoubtedly come out ahead after acquiring Luis Castillo. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. An icon of the NBA has left us. Bill Russell was an 11 time NBA champion, a five time MVP, the greatest defensive player in NBA history, and arguably the best teammate in the history of sports. But he was more than that an icon, a civil rights leader, and the kind of person every basketball player looked to as a role model in some way way to try and unpack at least some of his legacy. John Corrales from Locked On Celtics joins me now. And and John, this is uh, a loss that the NBA will be feeling for a long time. What stands out to you about the legacy of someone like Bill Russell? Oh, man, that's it's so hard to pick. I mean, obviously, they're the championships, right? We're, we're here talking about basketball and the NBA, and he's a, a winner unlike any other. You you play 13 years and you only not win a championship twice. It's kind of amazing. And the one time, one of those times was uh, a loss in the finals when he had badly sprained an ankle. And so it very easily could have been uh, another one there. Uh, Unbelievable winner everywhere he went. Uh, The fact that he wasn't sure about his status on the Olympic team. So he was prepared to go and compete as an Olympic high jumper, just to say, I, I still went to the Olympics and competed. Uh, all of that stands out very obviously, but at the same time, just the tireless work to improve society as a whole, his work as a, a civil rights leader, uh, not just an activist, a revolutionary, a person who threw his weight behind very serious uh, issues at, at that time, who went through some of the most virulent, hateful stuff that you could go through, and who persevered and, and channeled that into not just winning on the floor to, as a way of shutting people up, but as a motivation to help change the human condition in Boston and around the world. it's, it's immeasurable. It's a hole that can never be filled. His loss is just, it's, it's heartbreaking in, in so many ways. And, and we've had in, in basketball and in other sports, all-time greats stay around the game, but it's, it's hard to think of other examples of a guy who's been around for this long or who had been around this long, unfortunately, and still modern players, the same kind of respect for him there was a clip going around of his conversation with Kobe Bryant and Kobe had read his book and, mm-hmm. and all of this respect that comes from a player that essentially no one who is playing in the NBA over the last, what, 40 years was even alive to watch him play. And yet he commands that kind of respect. It's, it's hard to find a comparable Bill Russell in the NBA or in any other sport. 
no, he's he's he really is one of a kind. And you hate to rely on cliches like that. But at this time, there, there's there are literally no words that I or anybody else can say that can truly capture what he meant to the league, the league's players, who the players are. And a majority of the majority of them who are fighting for a lot of the same things we have just seen, even in the bubble, uh, a lot of uh, similar types of activism that he um, he sort of inspired. He was the the first in the NBA to make that sort of uh, that push and standing next to Muhammad Ali and standing next to Jim Brown. Lou Alcindor was by his side. Uh, those, those types of, it, it's, it's those types of things that, that get somebody like him, the respect. It's not just the championships. It's yes, you are, you know, who can fathom 11 championship rings? Who can fathom a guy who just kept winning at the rate that he won, not only that, but he made history. He's the first black head coach in the NBA. He made history off the floor. Uh, he, he made strides. He made his world better. Everybody who was in his sphere of influence became a better person. It's hard not to give that person the utmost respect. Stay up to date on the Boston Celtics by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Celtics podcast on the Odyssey app. YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, is Drew Locke really the guy for the Seahawks offense? Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all of your gambling needs. Monday night slate of baseball games has a few to look out for. The New York Mets, with Max Scherzer on the mound, are heavily favored over the Washington Nationals. Bet Online has the Mets minus 229 on the money line. Meanwhile, Across town, the New York Yankees are favored over the red-hot Seattle Mariners in the Bronx. Bet Online has the Yankees at minus 176 on the money line. And the Baltimore Orioles are underdogs on the road against the Texas Rangers. Bet Online has the odds odds at plus 153. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. According to reports, the NFL disciplinary officer Sue L. Robinson will be issuing her ruling on if Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson violated the league's personal conduct policy. If Robinson imposes any punishment, either side will have three days to submit an appeal in writing. The NFLPA released a statement on Sunday night that neither they nor Watson would appeal any decision that Robinson puts forth. Reports stated the NFL and Watson were engaged in negotiations for a settlement in recent days, but that neither side Felt the talks were close to resolution. Remember, no matter what the proposed punishment is, assuming there is a punishment, the NFL ultimately gets to decide. Debo Samuel is a premier receiver in the NFL, and the San Francisco 49ers agree. Samuel signed a three-year, $73.5 million extension on Sunday. The contract includes $58 million in guaranteed money. Samuel is the seventh wideout this offseason to sign a contract that is worth at least $24 million a year. Only Arizona Cardinals wideout DeAndre Hopkins held that distinction before this offseason. Samuel never held out of any training camp the team held, even showing up to training camp on time. Reports where the Niners got offers during the draft for Samuel, but nothing close to what they deem necessary to part with him. Imagine that. A bunch of money solved 
the issues a player had with his team. The New York Mets are getting their ace back finally. Jacob deGrom will make his season debut against the Washington Nationals on Tuesday, manager Buck Showalter said before a series finale Sunday against Miami. The two-time NL Cy Young winner has not pitched for the Mets since July 7th, 2021. The 34-year-old right-hander was sidelined the final three months of last season with right forearm tightness and a sprained elbow, then was shut down late in spring training because of a stress reaction in his right scapula. His return comes at an important time as it appears the crew that held together an impressive first half for the Mets is beginning to fade. With DeGrom and Scherzer healthy, the Mets look like the favorite to win the NL. So it is important that DeGrom ends his start as healthy as he begins it tomorrow. In the span of four days, Mike Trout went from his career being in peril to possibly picking up a bat by the end of next week. The LA Angels star visited Thursday with back specialist Dr. Robert Watkins. Trout is slated to begin rotational exercises Wednesday and could return to swinging a bat shortly after that. Trout's future appeared uncertain when the team's athletic trainer said before Wednesday's game in Kansas City that the three-time AL MVP had a rare spinal condition and that it was an issue Trout could have to manage not just through the rest of the season. The 10-time AL All-Stars batting 270 with 24 homers and 51 runs batted in in 79 games this season, but has just one multi-hit game and six RBI in the past three-plus weeks he's played. And speaking of the Angels, they're looking for all the positives they can, including one immaculate silver lining. Hey everybody, it's Mike Frisch from Locked On Angels. Listen, when your team is terrible, you have to find the bright spots to cheer for when they lose. And the Angels lost on Sunday to the Texas Rangers 5-2. They lost 3-4 this weekend. But the bright spots have been guys like Luis Renjifo, who has raised his batting average almost 50 points in the last few games. On Sunday, the bright spot was Reed Detmers, I've been a Detmers fan since the beginning, and this guy has been incredible, and he was on Sunday. Seven innings, one earned run, and 12 strikeouts, which was a career high for him. And he had an immaculate inning where he struck out the side and only threw nine pitches. Listen, we're going to hang on to the small things. We may be a terrible team, but Angel fans can hang on to those young players and the hope that they give us for the future. John and I are going to talk all about the Angels, recap the weekend, and answer all your questions on Locked On Angels, and we hope you'll join us. Here is another story you need to know. Last week, the Seattle Seahawks did something that they hadn't done in a decade. They opened a training camp without Russell Wilson. Drew Locke, maybe, in as the starter, and also DK Metcalf in with a new deal, three years, over $70 million. Joining me now man who was there, Corbin Smith from Locked On Seahawks. And, and Corbin, uh, there's there's a lot that's going to change in Seattle this year. There's even a little bit of hype around Drew Locke, the quarterback, not from the, the U.S. Open social media account, but from people actually watching him play football. What do you what do you make of that narrative right now that, that Drew Locke is actually looking like a, a decent player? Well, to be honest with you, Peter, I think Geno Smith's been the better quarterback the first three mm. practices. Now, that's not to say that Drew Locke hasn't made some nice throws. I thought he had his best practice easily on Saturday and threw a couple of touchdowns in the red zone period. He had one that might have been the best throw the entire day 
on a wheel route to Kenneth Walker III out of the backfield, threaded it between three defenders. So you're seeing glimpses of his talent, but you've also still seen some of the really shaky decision-making. There was a throw he made the first practice, and it was the last play of the entire practice rolling out to his left, chucked it across his body 40 yards downfield to DJ Dallas, one of their reserve running backs, and never should have thrown that ball. And I'm surprised the Seahawks didn't run another play after that. They usually don't end practice on a play like that, but they ended up blowing the three whistles. That was the end of the practice. So Locke still has a chance to win this starting job, but I think Geno, especially the fact that he threw three touchdowns to Tyler Lockett in yesterday's practice alone, and he already has a good rapport with DK Metcalf from last year in regular season games, he continues to have at least a step on Drew Locke here early in training camp. There's time for Locke to catch up, but I think the vet that's been around the last couple of years has a lot of advantages in his corner. You mentioned DK Metcalf. I mentioned his contract extension. You were on this program insisting he was not going to be moved. Ignore the trade rumors. The Seattle Seahawks want to keep him as a piece of their franchise, but this is a shorter deal than we've seen some of these other top receivers get a three-year deal. What what do you make of that part of it, that this is just really a short-term deal? I don't think that that's a big deal for the Seahawks, considering that that extension is going to be tacked on after this final year of his rookie deal. He's under contract through 2025. And this really is a win-win for both sides. From Metcalf's perspective, if Seattle doesn't get that franchise quarterback a few years from now, then yeah, maybe Seahawks fans should be concerned that he might try to force his way out of that point when he's 28 years old. But also, that's the other factor here. He's going to get another chance to get a monster deal either with the Seahawks or with another team by doing this shorter-term deal. And Seattle wins by still being able to do things the structure they like where they don't have to give fully guaranteed money the second and third season on that extension. And they gave him the record signing bonus of $30 million to offset that. So you paid him less than top five money, which I'm surprised they were able to pull that off. And DK Metcalf gets to be a free agent quicker, get more money down the road as the salary cap keeps going up. So really, both sides, I think, aced this. We, we've heard that, that philosophically this defense wants to be different than it was certainly in the Legion of Boom era. Less cover three, maybe some more too high, some more quarters. What have you seen from a defense that is under transition right now? I think you're seeing a lot of things that are really carryover from last season. They've been running a lot more two deep coverages with Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs. Now, Adams is dealing with a broken finger again, so he's missed the last couple of practices. He's expected to be back this week, but it looks like they're going to continue doing that in more of a Vic Fangio-style defense where there's going to be more of those two deep safety coverages. They're going to be more exotic with the way that they blitz their pass rushers, particularly they're outside edge guys, Daryl Taylor, Uchenna Nuosu, and rookie boy Mafe. Only three practices in. So until the pads come on, it's going to be kind of tough to tell if there's going to be any notable changes aside from more three-man fronts. But they were starting to evolve this way last year in the second half of the season with more of these odd fronts to begin with. So I don't know that you're going to see this team reinvent the wheel. I do expect more man coverage, more two deep safety looks, and just being more aggressive in general with Clint Hurd as the defensive coordinator. Stay up to date on the Seattle Seahawks by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Seahawks podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. The Major League Baseball trade deadline is August 2nd, and Locked On MLB has all the breakdowns. Your favorite team has a Locked On podcast that will have rapid reactions to any moves made. Subscribe now to your favorite team's Locked On podcasts on YouTube, Odyssey, 
or wherever you get your podcasts so you get notified when each episode premieres. Coming up, the Seattle Mariners are worried about playoffs, not prospects. The big question every year is whether a contending team overpaid to get an important player that can help them make a playoff run. Ty Gonzalez and Kobe Patnold watch the Seattle Mariners every day and they understand this team has endured a long enough playoff drought and there is no such thing as an overpay. That being said, Mariners fans, stop telling me how much the Mariners gave up to get Luis Castillo. I do not care and neither should you. It yeah. is stupid. You, you got you got stupid. Luis Castillo. You got Luis it is, Castillo. It is <laughs> Luis Castillo is a Mariner. For a fan base that has not made the playoffs in 20 years to sit here after decade and decade of saying, oh, well, the Mariners never do this type of thing. The Mariners are so cheap. Oh, the Mariners always go halfway. They go get Kristen Norfia. They go get Austin Jackson. They didn't get David Price. And then they go out and they get David Price. They pay the freight to do it. And you're saying, oh, well, now how are they going to get Juan Soto? They were never going to get Juan Soto. What are you talking about? What is your deal? Do you want to win at the major league level or do you want to have a great farm system? By the way, farm system, fine. Definitely not yeah. top five anymore, but who cares? When is the last time the St. Louis Cardinals had a top five farm system? Wouldn't you rather be the Cardinals? I mean, wouldn't you? What's wrong with being the Cardinals? They go to they win ninety games. They go to the playoffs every single year. They've won a couple World Series. When, when's the last time they had a top ten farm system? Never, because they don't care. They leverage it. They use it to go get big leaguers like Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. It does not matter how good or bad the Mariners minor league system is. Stop it. Stop with the misinformation. Stop with your pity party. Stop looking for a reason to be mad. The Seattle Mariners got significantly better today, and I don't give a darn what it does to the farm system. I do not care at all. I wasn't going to watch any Modesto Nuts games. I wasn't going to watch any Arkansas games. I do not care, and neither should you, because you know what? On Tuesday, I'm going to get to watch Luis Castillo in a Mariners uniform, and I don't care about the rest. This is what fans want. And whether or not it's the right way to run a sports franchise to be successful over the long term is a separate question, potentially. But I can tell you from experience, when the Milwaukee Brewers made the trade for CC Sabathia and he gutted out a slew of starts on short rest, willed the team to the postseason, and they lost, it did not take off my enjoyment of that time. It did not diminish my respect for the organization and the front office that said, now is the time to go for it. Now is the time to make a move rather than in an era of blow it up, bottom out, get your picks, get your prospects. That cycle is mind numbing over time. And so when you get an opportunity, as a fan, I want my team to go for it. And if that means overpaying a teeny tiny bit, even if it means overpaying a decent amount to get a guy who can really impact the culture and the history of your team, go do it. That's why we do this. That's why fans watch sports. Presumably, it's why the players play it. It's why the front office is front office. It's why the coaches coach to get an opportunity in the postseason because we've seen Crazy things can happen in the playoffs. Just get in the dance. Give yourself a chance and give your fans something to cheer for. And finally, they say a winner is just a loser who kept trying, and that's me. 
Tony Finau has won back-to-back PGA Tour events, upping his career total to four wins. On top of winning the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit this weekend, Finau won the 3M last week in Minnesota after making a five-stroke comeback. He's the first PGA Tour player to win back-to-back tournaments since Brendan Todd in 2019. A week can change your life, Finau said. When you look at mine, two weeks have changed my life. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up Tuesday, as team put the pads on, who is standing out at NFL training camp? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.